Welcome to CEO Money. I'm Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. All right, I have Travis Chambers. He is the CEO of Chambers.media with me today. Travis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, Travis, tell us some background about you, Chamber.media, and then I've got a list of questions I want to walk through with you. Yeah, we're involved in what we call quantitative creative in the way that we shoot video in a modular format and run that uh, on social ads to scale revenue for primarily direct to consumer brands. And uh, it's it's been wild uh, the last five years to see the growth uh, a lot of these challenger brands are having through Facebook, YouTube, Google ads uh, by using video. Uh, but to date, we've been able to drive over $300 million in trackable revenue for these companies, over 400 million views, 4 million shares. And and so we're basically half ad buying, half video production located in the uh, Salt Lake area. All right. Give me an idea of the future of direct-to-consumer brands, um, like, say, Dollar Shave Club. Well, Dollar Shave Club is really showing what the future is for a lot of these direct-to-consumer brands. Dollar Shave Club was a pretty early challenger brand. They were taking on uh, an antiquated industry that had had not really innovated much, especially on price point. And they emerged that market with a YouTube video. I think this is about eight or nine years ago. And they grew to be a billion-dollar company within about six years. And and a lot of people think that they did that purely through social media, but that's actually not the case. A lot of these, a lot of these companies that you look at in this space, uh, like Warby Parker uh, and, and, and Allbirds, a lot of these companies, they're getting that kind of first fifty or or two or three hundred million dollars in revenue using social ads going direct consumer. But but then after that, they usually start to channel in some of these more traditional uh, strategies such as TV. Uh, some of them even have retail stores. They get into retailers. And in some ways, they start to act more and more like a, a conventional company would. Um, but, but really, there's going to be lots more of these challenger brands. A lot of the household names that we, we've been buying for many decades in retail, they're, they're getting majorly stressed from these challenger D2C brands. How do you control the ROI? So it's pretty it's pretty amazing what you can do with social ads. Um, you can track with a pixel on the website. You can track a lot of the sales. So you have actual kind of A to B attribution. We we can measure about sixty to seventy percent of the sales that are happening from our ads. Now TV, radio, and print. There are a lot of companies out there that have ways to, to somewhat track, but the truth is, is it's, it's not very exact. And even though social ads are still not a perfect science for attribution and being able to exactly track everything, the fact that it's trackable to the point that it is, you could start to 
to really say, okay, we're putting in a dollar into our social ads. Are we getting two, three, four, five dollars back in return? And then the, 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 the bigger this industry gets, the more sophisticated it gets to, to look at all the different revenue channels with these companies. And you start seeing that your social ads, if they're breaking even, you're usually profitable if you have other sales channels like uh, if you're on a walmart.com or a homedepot.com or if you're actually in physical retailers in Amazon. So that's really one of the ways that you can look at ROI in kind of a new lens that wasn't necessarily as possible uh, 15, 20 years ago. Give me a success story. Mr. Cool is one of our favorite success stories. It's a a mini split uh, AC unit uh, that you can install yourself. It's a do-it-yourself thing. And they had done 10 million in revenue before they approached us. And they really just wanted to, to help get you know, an AC unit that you can install yourselves into into people's homes. So we had a pretty big launch on uh, Facebook and YouTube uh, and Google. And even we were skeptical because if you think about the magnitude of trying to convince someone to buy a do-it-yourself AC unit that takes four to five hours to install, you think about the complexity of the targeting. You're, You're trying to target people, first of all, who are in need of air conditioning, that's very difficult to do. But second of all, who have the affinity and the self-confidence in the in the DIY home improvement space to actually say that they'll buy this thing knowing that they're gonna install it themselves. And uh, they're on track to do to, to pretty close to 50 million this year. This is the second year that we've been running with them. And they haven't, they haven't put forth a ton of other marketing efforts outside of what we've been doing. So to go from 10 to 50 million in two years uh, with a do-it-yourself mini-split AC unit is pretty incredible. It is. It is. Congratulations on that. All right. uh, Let's get into the technical side just a second here. The anchor video. Let's walk through that process. And then I want to talk to you about sales funnels using, um, you know, ads that create different genres to to actually end in a conversion so an anchor video is a term that was recently coined by gary vaynerchuk who's a pretty prominent influencer in in this video marketing space and dollar shave club was one of the earlier anchor videos that came out you may remember the old spice uh videos that that came out uh eight nine years ago that that's what we call an anchor video and essentially, it, it's the front man for your efforts on social. It's it's almost like Facebook or YouTube ads version of a Super Bowl commercial. And if you can get this this anchor video to convert and to do well, it can be the hero for all the other content you're running behind it. So an anchor video is usually a longer form video, anywhere from one to five minutes. And it's structured a lot like a pop song. It's trying to hook you. And then there's a chorus and a verse where it's introducing the problem and the solution two or three times. And it's trying to entertain you and provide you information and educate you about the product while also overtly selling to you and asking you to buy. And these anchor videos have been wildly successful for uh, thousands of, of D2C companies in the last seven or eight years. And uh, they, they can lead your efforts 
through all the other types of videos that you may run as ads behind them. Okay, thank you for the for the answer. Um, video sales funnels. Walk me through that process, or video ad funnels. So it's kind of video sales funnels or, or ad funnels is is the way that you organize your ads that you're going to run on Facebook and YouTube and Google. And what you'll have nowadays is you'll get a lot of companies that that think either think they can make an, an anchor video, like a Super Bowl version of a social video and just run that. And then you'll get other companies who just run static image ads that really aren't that engaging. And what we've been finding the last four or five years is you can find a combination of different assets to get the optimum ROI out of your Facebook and YouTube ads. And what that generally looks like is an anchor video at the top that's bringing people in. We call it prospecting, bringing people into your funnel, so to say, that maybe have never heard of your brand before. They go to your website. Once they go to your website, you can pixel, you can track them with a pixel and retarget them. And so then it's a matter of really finding the right mix of, of an ad sequence that you're running to convert people as efficiently as possible. And that's where it starts to get more sophisticated. You may run testimonials, before and afters, um, comparison, side-by-side -side comparisons, uh, discounts. There's, there's a whole host of, of videos that can be run in, in a video funnel. And it's really a matter of figuring out what sequence is going to convince people to buy. And, uh, and you'll even segment those between different audiences and different variations of those assets. But when done right, uh, it can be very effective uh, at growing uh, revenue aggressively. All right. Now, on that note, when you start growing your revenue effectively, most people think of the, the, the common word scalability. Talk to me about scalability of social uh, videos and how you maintain the proper scale during the life of the campaign. So not, not all companies, brands, products are created equal. You have some that do extremely well, you have some that break even, and then you have some that fail. Even with us, you know, we've been doing this for five years, we have about a 20 to 25% fail rate, uh, and then about a 20% break even rate, and then about a 60 to 70% success rate. Um, and the reason for that is that sometimes you'll get products that don't necessarily have all of the components necessary to scale. The things that we look at to make a product be very scalable is uh, there's got to be a pretty low cost of goods. You usually want the cost of goods below 25-30% um, as far as how much it costs to make and get it deliver, cost of goods delivered. Uh, we've seen when products have a higher cost of goods above 40-50%, it gets difficult to have enough margin to, to be profitable and to be able to have the types of funds to reinvest into this thing. Um, then there's a bunch of other components that we look at too. What are the shipping costs? Uh, is this a reorder item? So if we sell this once, is this something that we can sell multiple times in the future and, and, and generate what we call lifetime value where a customer who spends $10 now could be worth $100 over a year and, um, and then we also look at, too, what the complementary products are. Uh, we've even had cases where we're extremely successful with, with one product, but we could have been exponentially more successful if they had had 
you know, three, four, five, six other complementary products that can then increase that average order value, how much someone spends each time they buy from you. So these are the kind of things that we look at to determine how scalable a company is. Um, then there's also a lot of intangible things like does the product solve pain or does the message solve pain? We've had the biggest successes with with anything that, that relates to that. Um, it's more than just a want, but it's something people feel like they need. I think that's why Mr. Cool's done so well is people don't wanna be hot, it's a need. Um, so, so that's important. And, and the brands also seem to have a soul. There also seems to be something, something amorphous about a brand that's hard to identify, but that people will relate and identify with and they'll buy into that. So these are, you know, just a handful of some of the components that we look at to really determine how scalable a company is. But what's really cool is if we can spend a dollar on ads and get $2 back, if that company is selling in any other channels, um, generally speaking, that that's probably a profitable scenario for most companies. Great, great information. Don't hang up after the interview. I've got somebody I want to introduce you to. All right. Great. All right. Uh, you've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.